Hello listeners, welcome to another episode on Rising Above Shadows of Abuse, Raza, with your host, Grace Hopper. Today's episode centers around news relating to abuse in the United Kingdom. Metro Newspapers, 27th of February, by Brooke Davis. An abusive wife who assaulted, taunted, threatened and humiliated her husband for 20 years grinned as she was sentenced to four years in prison. Mom of three, Sherry Spencer, 45, punched, kicked, slapped and beat her husband Richard during persistent nasty attacks that left him in fear and feeling trapped. He called him a pig every day while beating him and forced him to clean up her own faces. The prison reform boss was sentenced at Hurl Crown Court after leaving her partner with a permanently disfigured ear and damaging his laptops, phones, and clothing. Kate Rayfield told her that the abuse of Mr. Spencer was the worst case of controlling and coercive behavior I have seen. As well as a prison term, Spencer was given an indefinite restraining order against her victim. She was still seen smiling as she left the dock to be taken down to the cells. Michelle Stewart, Lofthouse, prosecuting, said that the couple had been together since 2000 and lived in Burbwith, near Selby, at the time. They had three young children. Spencer's violent behavior towards her husband came to light after police were alerted due to concerns. Even when she was arrested, Spencer continued to exert control over Richard during family court hearings, claiming she was the victim. Whilst sharing his story, Mr. Spencer said, I have had to seek help from my GP on several occasions. Videos shown to the court reveals persistent nasty physical and emotional abuse on a frequent basis, sometimes several times in a day. Mr. Spencer cowered sometimes on his hands and knees on the floor as he was threatened and assaulted. His wife showed utter contempt for him and sometimes whispered in his face in the most sinister way the court heard. She was also said to shout orders at him after drinking three bottles of wine a day. Defence barrister Richard Pratt Casey said that there was little, if any, that could be said in mitigation. Mr. Pratt said it's a shocking, distressing case. Alcohol played the most significant part in what happened. During her job with the Ministry of Justice, Spencer had been working on a project connected with the impact of custodial sentences on families. What are your thoughts on this particular story? Leave your comments. Frederick Alcorn, 62, from Wilshire was sentenced to 22 years in prison at Croydon Crown Court on Friday. He has already been placed on the Sex Offenders Register for life, following a conviction in 2010. He had earlier pleaded guilty to two counts of rape, five counts of administering stupefying or overpowering drug with intent, five counts of indecent assault on a woman over 16, and one count of bigamy. The victim... A woman in her 50s went to a police station in Sutton in August 2018 to report years of abuse by her ex-partner. 
The sexual abuse began in the mid-80s when she was just 15 years old. She was drugged and raped numerous times and even woke up on several occasions to find she was tied to the bed. On one occasion, the victim woke to find her tongue rolling into the back of her throat, which made her feel like she was choking and she went to hospital. During the investigation, a medical report was conducted which stated the symptoms presented in the hospital were consistent with the effects of drug administration. Psychologist provided an expert report and diagnosed the victim with complex post-traumatic stress disorder caused by the abuse she suffered due to alcohol. She also suffered severe physical injuries from the time of the abuse, which continued to impact her life. She left Alcon in September 1991. Tina, the victim, said in a statement, The officers believed in me. You have to come forward yourself. If you don't, it will catch up on you one day. It's time to take back control. Don't suffer in silence. You are not alone. Please come forward and you will be heard. The investigating officer, Detective Sergeant Laura Thomas, said, the victim survivor in this case has shown great courage in standing up to Alcon and ensuring he was made to answer for his actions. I would like to praise the strength and commitment she had shown throughout this case. If you have been a victim of sexual assault or rape, including non-recent abuse, or you have information about an offender, contact police on 101 or 999 in an emergency. There are specially trained officers who will listen and investigate where needed. The Independent Newspapers, 21st of February 2023, by Emily Pennick. A parasitic fraudster had been found guilty of killing a vulnerable older woman and hiding a body in the graveyard in the plot to plunder her money. Sekan Kegusus, 42, conned and cajoled 70-year-old Norma Girolami out of her wealth after flirting with her in the hot tub or swimming baths in Archway, North London, in 2017. While their sexual relationship was short-lived, he went on to make increasing demands for cash totaling some £300,000. The defendant, who claimed unemployment benefits and lived with his parents, spent the money on a luxury lifestyle well beyond his means. He had a £20,000 car, bought designer clothing, a new game console and went on a trip to Turkey for a hair transplant while hoarding around £120,000 in the bank. When Miss Giromali turned off the money tap in May 2021, he plotted to take what remained of her assets by killing her, the old Bailey was told. At the time, she began resisting jobless Keigusu's demand. Miss Girolami had been affected by the death of her father and her funds were rapidly dwindling Juro's head. Peter Jocelyn Leewood said by August the defendant had realized his comfortable parasitic lifestyle was not going to continue. He was simply not going to get any more out of Miss Girolami. Carrying out the murder, the defendant made a series of sinister searches online for garden tools, caustic soda, hydrochloric acid, deed for property transfer and will and testament. He also bought a rope, a softball, full mesh mouth plug 
with adjustable belt, which can be used to restrain a person. Handcuffs, gloves, plastic overalls, tape, and a spading fork tool on Amazon. His purpose was to restrain and kill normal Girolami, to conceal her remains by burying them and ensuring the defendant did not get dirty and acquire any forensic traces in the process. It was 19, 2021, Miss Girolami travelled from her home in Highgate, North London, for a day out at Lay-on-Sea in Essex. Upon her return, the defendant went on to her flat and killed her. Upon her disappearance, Kay Kusus pretended to her friends that she was alive and well, while systematically draining her bank accounts and applying for loans of 60000 in her name. Some 15 months after she went missing, Miss Girolami's remains were found hidden in plain sight in a grave in St. James's churchyard in Barnet. Motem examination found she had suffered blunt force injuries to the chest, rib fractures and bruising consistent with third-party assault, although the cause of death was unascertained. Giving evidence in the trial, Ms. Jeromali's close friend, Linda Christolis, described her as a gregarious, fun-loving and kind but overly generous woman who had suffered in abusive relationships in the past. She told jurors Sekhan had taken six-figure sums from her and I asked her if she could stop giving him money and she said that she could not. I asked her if she was afraid of him and she said yes because he wanted that money and she was frightened if she said no. I imagine she was frightened of him being violent. As the net closed on Kegusus, he changed his name to Sean Kaya and began looking to go to Canada for a new life. The defendant, who declined to give evidence, admitted taking her money and items of jewelry which were recovered from his girlfriend's home. He also pleaded guilty to perverting the course of justice by concealing and burying her body but denied murder. His lawyer queried whether Miss Girolami could have died of natural causes and her fractured ribs had been caused by an attempt to carry out chest compressions. A jury at the Old Bailey deliberated for less than half an hour before finding divorcee Gekusus or Crouch in North London guilty of her murder. Not told the defendant, described by police as vain, greedy and arrogant, had a previous conviction of voyeurism for taking photographs of women at a swimming pool. Kekusus gave no reaction as the jury delivered its guilty verdict. He was remanded in custody to be sentenced on Wednesday. The former supermarket worker will also be sentenced for perverting the course of justice. Three counts of fraud relating to bank loans totaling 60000 in Ms. Girolami's name and cash withdrawals and transferring criminal property which he had admitted. Detective Chief Inspector Kate Blackburn from Scotland Yard said the items in Kegusus' online purchase history were basically a body disposal kit. Despite not having found a body, we were certain that he had killed Norman and buried her in a graveyard or a communal space. Our search for Norman's remains lasted 15 months. We painstakingly examined forensics, CCTVs and digital evidence from the mobile phones and vehicles and my team recovered sword images from the defendant's phone that showed the area around St. James's churchyard. That was the final piece of the jigsaw that led us to Norma. What are your thoughts about this? Leave your comments.
Mirror News, March 7th, 2023, by Tim Hallon. A woman was locked up and chained to partner who kept her prisoner for five years. Michael Cooper, 50, from Poulton Lefeld, Lancashire, kept his partner prisoner for five years where she was locked up at night and chained to him, a court has been told. Cooper fitted bars to the windows and forced her to sleep in the loft, a court was told. This he did to stop her from leaving the house. He chained her arm to his own and secured it with a padlock. She was locked up every night and had to ask permission to use the bathroom before she managed to escape in June 2020 and called the police. In a statement, the victim told Preston Crown Court she lived in fear of being attacked and every aspect of her life was controlled by Cooper. She stated, I was living in constant fear of being assaulted, locked away, ridiculed and undermined. This was a day-to-day occurrence and my life was stressful beyond anything I had experienced before or since. I was refused to have friends or any kind of normal life. Michael controlled every aspect of my days to such an extent I wasn't allowed to have social media. She added, I became a shadow of my former self. I became a completely different person. And despite being free from Michael's clutches, I haven't been able to return to how I was before. He has ruined my life. Before them, defendant said his behavior was born out of paranoia rather than malice. But sentencing him, Judge Darren Preston said, For a period of five years, you made the life of your then-partner an absolute misery. Like the complete and clearly pathetic and inadequate man you are, you belittled her, you assaulted her, and you imprisoned her. This case was described as a reign of terror. It is difficult to imagine a more serious example of cohesive control than your effective imprisonment of your partner. The damage you caused cannot be under-exaggerated. You inflicted untold damage. What are your thoughts on this space? Can you leave a comment? Thank you. The Garden Newspapers. Till February 2023, Harun Siddiq. The multi-millionaire. Brexit backer Aaron Banks has lost a significant part of his appeal against the decision in his unsuccessful libel action against the Observer and Garden journalist Carol Cadwallada. Banks, who funded the pro-BrexitLeave.eu campaign group, succeeded in only one of the three challenges brought to the Court of Appeal. Last year, he lost a high court case brought personally against Cadwallader in relation to two instances from 2019, one in a TED talk and the other in a tweet, in which he said the businessman was lying about his relationship with the Russian state. In June, in a significant decision for public interest journalism, Mrs. Justice Stern found that although Cadwallader's words were as interpreted by the judge untrue, she had a public interest defense under Section 4 of the Defamation Act 2013, which protects journalists against inaccuracies they reasonably believe to be true when investigating matters of great import. Stern also found that serious harm had not been established in relation to the tweet at any point. With respect to the TED Talk, the judge found that the public interest defense fell away 
after the Electoral Commission found no evidence of law-breaking by banks with respect to donations. But by that time, 29th of April 2020, Stern was not convinced that the continuing publication of the TED Talk cost or was likely to cause serious harm to his reputation. Banks did not challenge the public interest defence, but argued that the judge was wrong to hold that the issue of whether or not the TED Talk caused serious harm to his reputation needed to be determined afresh after the 29th of April 2028. The Court of Appeal rejected that argument, but upheld his claim that he had in fact suffered serious harm after the Electoral Commission's findings were published. In a judgment published on Tuesday, three appeal court judges unanimously found that Stern's findings that banks did not suffer serious harm because the TED Talk and tweet were published to an echo chamber was not supported by the evidence. The judgment written by Lord Justice Wabi also said on serious harm that there was insufficient basis for Stern's finding that the opinion of the publishers were of no consequence to Banks because he did not care what they thought. Wabi wrote, My conclusion that the trial judge erred in the ways I have identified is not enough in itself to justify the reversal of her decision. Nonetheless, so far as the TED Talk is concerned, I have concluded that the judge's errors do fatally undermine her conclusion. In my judgment, if those errors are put to one side, it was an inevitable inference from the evidence before the judge that publication of the TED Talk after 29th of April 2020 caused serious harm to the reputation of the claimant. Sitting with Lord Justice Singh and Dame Victoria Sharp, Wabi said that damages should therefore be assessed for banks in respect of publication of the TED Talk between 29th of April 2020 and the date of judgment referring to Banks' wishes to have the offending content removed from the TED Talk. Wabi said, It is common ground that she, Cadwallada, is not able to control what the TED organization does. There is an issue about the extent to which she should seek to persuade it to edit the TED Talk or cease publication of the talk in its current form. Wabi agreed with Stern that that publication of the tweet after 29th of April 2020 had not caused serious reputational harm because its visibility would have peaked well before that time. A GNM spokesperson said, Carol Kalwalada's award-winning journalism has prompted worldwide debate on social media. Her successful defense of her reporting last year was a victory for investigative journalism in the public interest. Aaron Banks appealed last year's high court ruling on three discrete points. The appeal court judges found in Ms. Kalwalda's favour on two points, but ruled in the favour of Mr. Banks on one matter, the continued publication of the TED Talk after 29th of April 2020. However, the judges acknowledged that Ms. Kalwalda is not in control of what the TED organisation publishes. And we note that Mr. Banks chose not to sue TED Talks. We welcome the dismissal of the other two grounds of appeal, which are important points of principle. Ms. Kalwalada's reporting into this matter of vital public interest has been vindicated. What are your thoughts on this? Can you leave a comment? Thank you. Eighth of March, 2023. Happy International Women's Day. Change.org. Today we are championing 
the women's freedom movement in Iran. We will continue to support their fight for freedom. As you all know, over 15,000 people remain in detention in Iran related to the protests, with reports that many of them have been beaten, tortured, sexually assaulted, and some have been sentenced to death. One of those is a 24-year-old Mohana Kameli, who is currently imprisoned and has been sentenced to death. This International Women's Day kindly be the voice of Mohana and all people in Iran by sharing the petition and getting the world's attention. Every Iranian deserves to know the global community is shouting loudly for their safety and freedoms. That's why building momentum right now is so important. Kindly go to change.org. This has been Grace Opar for Raza, Rising Above Shadows of Abuse. See you on our next episode. Be positive and be safe. You can leave your comments on our social media handles or our email address, risingaboutshadowsofabuse at gmail.com. Take care.